We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My nachos are just sitting cooling and it's a very like inappropriate food to eat during a podcast. Welcome to the True Faith Podcast. Thanks for that sign. Great intro. Um, yeah, I'm Alex Hurst. <laughs> Joined by Simon Campbell and for the first time in a little while, Andy Bollins. We've, we've forgotten what you look like, Bollins. Could you describe yourself to the listeners? Bald. Bald. Yeah, that's the one. Well, <laughs> it's a podcast dog, and I don't normally see see what he looks like. I think we both know we'll have a couple of listeners Sai, who who know very well what we'll look like. Reading that, what you will. Um, so Newcastle, <laughs> massive game coming up this weekend against Derby County. We've got absolutely loads to talk about today. Later on in the show, we'll have our Derby County fan, uh, Paddy, who's uh, a really, really good lad. I mean, everyone we've had on from the opposing teams has been spot on, and Paddy's no different, so that'll be at the end of the show. Uh, McLaren is discussed. Oh, right, lads. Rafa Benitez, post-match comments. Who wants to go? One years. It's like an angry bloke at the match. One years! <laughs> No, no, no. For the first time this season, for the first time this season, and, and if I, yeah, no, I'll go first. <laughs> for the first time this season, um, and I get get criticised a lot in another comments on on my pieces on True Faith. Um, I get criticised for loads of stuff, but specifically not wanting to to ever criticise Benitez, um, and I'm I'm really disappointed with him. Um, and I love the bloke. People listening to this podcast know how much we love him. And you know, he for, for the everyone's bought back into Newcastle United. For some people, that's going to a couple of matches, a couple of matches a season. For others, it's it's reinvesting in a season ticket. For some people, it's even just taking an interest. But for for me and you lads, it's like I think it's fair enough to say we've we've, we've I don't think there's anyone else has bought back in into the club as as much as we have in terms of going every single match, pretty much. Flags, which I'll talk about later. Yeah. Quizzes, um, like say, like just everything, and it's all because of him. And I'm so grateful for him. That even if it doesn't work out, to have this period that we've had, it's just been great. But I thought there was absolutely no need for him to to do that after the match on Saturday. Um, and I, I share his frustration. Like like you you lads say that you're worried. I'm worried as well. But I just thought, um, who, who did that help on? On Wednesday, how how would it have taken that grievance public do anything but send the Newcastle United fan base into meltdown, which is what's happened? And 
I don't know. I just think we we I've, I'll put a, a thread on the morning of or Wednesday morning from on on uh, TF Weekly Pod and basically said side that when me and you met him, we can say this now. We couldn't say it before because we were told to keep our mouth shut, rightly so. He told us yep. he wanted a central midfielder and a left winger. T- told us that. He said, don't tell anyone because obviously if it gets out, we might not be able to buy players. But he spent about 20 minutes telling them why it was so difficult to do a deal in January and that it was going to be a really hard month. Um, and Now, he told us this in private and things might have changed. For example, I don't think like Pardew was still the manager. Andros Townsend wasn't on the table then probably. I'd, I'd see, like no one was linking them with it, it was with him in early December. Whether it it kind of come come along with Pardew being sacked and falling out with Pardew at the end, and Allardyce not really being keen on him, so that might have changed everything. Now, if he's if he's got a serious issue, Rafa Benitez has got a serious issue with the way that he's been backed or not backed. Um, keep it keep it private. Um, who who wins out of this? Who 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 gains anything? Now, you know, he's, he, in the same breath, he's asking he's asking people to get behind the team even more which I fully agree with and we're going to talk about the atmosphere uh, later on in the show so yes and let, you know I've, I've decided today with your help Si and Bolland that, that we're going to do flags on Saturday because we're going to do whatever we can I, I don't mind turning up an hour before the game early an hour after the game with countless others um, to, to, to try and sort the atmosphere out and get behind the team and follow his instructions but he the fact that he's made public is he's, that he's so unhappy with his with his boss? I, I can't see how that benefits the club in any way. It's divisive, and well, even though I'm on his side, it's a warning. It's a warning shot, like Ashley, isn't it? Yeah, right. but tell him, Bolin, tell him, <laughs> tell Lee Charlie, tell him why why you do it in public. Well, because it's one of Brother's major like cards is that he has the, like the fans in the palm of his hand, doesn't he? Like if he comes out and he's frustrated, that's going to get fans frustrated, which puts pressure on people like Charlie and Ashley. Isn't it? Having it out there in the public domain, you know, people are aware of it and hanging. So it's outing, outing the two of them, slightly, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely perfect. I agree. It's Rafa. It's a one-man jitter. He's bigger than the club, and he can take that fight to Ashley and Charlie and possibly win. And the other thing I would say is that. I mean, I'm sure Rafa doesn't respond to, to social media and stuff, but there's more and more sort of suggestion, and, and by local media as well, not just social media, that the Rafa isn't in control. And maybe this was him saying, "This had nothing to do with me. This fuck up. This, this is absolutely, absolutely." You know I mean, because he's starting to get a bit of criticism from from our fans as well, and people think, "Oh, he's just he's just falling into line, just like Pardew, just like McLaren." The Rafa probably wants to make it perfectly clear that absolutely not. He's not. None of this is what he wants. I don't think any. No, no one's made any suggestions either. I mean, you're right. Some idiots have, but come on, I, I can't see him thinking like you know he, he he's fallen in line. Listen, I believe I believe him, and it's true. Now, the problem I have as well is that the reports are that um, part you know Newcastle. Well. This isn't like come on, come in just about the fact that we haven't signed anyone. He's actually explicitly said he doesn't know why we signed anyone. That's the most troubling part. I said, move 
athlete, anything is possible. Like Dennis Wise, uh, the other idiot, I can't remember his name now, who. Kinnear. Victoria agents, right? Yeah, Joe Kinnear will happen. Um, and it's just like, it, 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 it's troubling that there could be, because it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this could just be some sort of weird power play from Mike Ashley to show not even Rafa Benitez is bigger than me, I will control him as well. It's, it's a massive, massive concern, and it's an undercurrent that will always be there when Ashley's in charge. And I hope that it's not the case, but it's not the saying he doesn't know, and he's felt the need to come out publicly and say he doesn't know. I think there's some politics, and it's just troubling. It's just worrying. See, it's like, very worrying. I, I agree with everything you say to an ex- to a very large extent. But why? I just don't see why. When the same time, when you're making a plea for home support, which you shouldn't have to make, but you know, we'll talk about it later or very soon. Fair enough. Like, like he's, he, he, you say. I mean, it was you before said, Sai, that you know he, he is bigger than the club and all this kind of stuff. Well, like he's got us. Realistically, he's got the fans. There are plenty of assholes, but he's got fifty thousand people turning up in the second division because of him. No one else. Um, he, he, he's already got the likes of me and countless other people listening to this and you lads we, we've bought into him and we've, we've bought into him not Ashley and fine warning shots fine but it, it, it just makes it a little bit harder for me to go to Brighton away to, to do the things which, which I do with with this knowledge out there Well, and if he just say he just say right just say the sort of things out say so we'll get to the summer with Rafa in charge We'll get it promoted. He meets Mike Ashley and Charlie and Carr, and they say, "Here's sixty million quid, Rafa. Do what you want." I'm not saying that's going to happen. If that if that was to happen anyway, if that was to happen anyway in the summer, by releasing this information, and and it's it's almost like if it was a press conference or if it was um, a, a detailed interview, but it's a it's an interview after after a disappointing result and a last minute goal, and he's very frustrated. I just think it's I hate to say it. It maybe lacks a little bit of professionalism. I just, I just can't, I can't get my head round what benefits there are about send about sending the support in the meltdown, which is what he's done. Whether it's his fault it, it is, is 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 immaterial. He's still done it, and I mean, I just, I just find it bizarre. And maybe we'll win six 0 on Saturday. Maybe we'll, maybe the flags will be mint and the whole ground will get off the arse and people, people will not, you know, kick off at Paul Dummett when he makes a mistake or Perez when he misses a chance, but. I can't see it. So that was my point, lads. And I, I, you know, do, 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 would you disagree with me? Do you think no? He was right to do what he's done in terms of put it out there in the public. I know where you come from, Chelsea. I think I think the point you've made is is, is a fair one, and it's maybe he's he's let the frustration get the better of him. I think he's also put in he's been put in this spot pretty much every day for the whole of January, just asking these these probing questions. What about transfers? Are you getting what you want? Are you in charge? And maybe that's boiled over as well. The bit like they just kind of the the need for the the public to know exactly what his control is, exactly what his relationship is with the with the whole the club and the, and, the, and the transfers. Like that must annoy him so much. But unfortunately, I reckon the outcome of him saying what he said is more and more of these questions because the, the well, everyone's lapping it up, not not in a good way. But you've got to look at the the reaction of the Chronicles. Farcical. I mean. It's you know you try and speak to journalists, journalists who've been on this show, and and, and look at what they put out in the public. And Luke Ed, Luke Edwards put out um, on Tuesday night or Wednesday saying Rafa and George Clark are the same. Someone tweeted them saying any chance of Rafa leaving, and he went, he's majorly peed off. But we're nowhere near that. Anyone suggesting that is just troublemaking. And I thought fair enough. 
This is before his comments yesterday, which I haven't really. Do you know what I mean? Rafa's comments yesterday aren't that much different to what those two journalists have said there. Would you, would you think that's fair? He's majorly pissed off, but he's not going to leave. Um, now, he, he's come out and said what he said in the, the Chronicle are now doing five articles an hour on on the chances of him leaving. Mark Douglas, who, who is a friend of this podcast in one sense, and we hope to have him on one day, and he's a good bloke, and we enjoy most of his output, but it, he's given the chance for, the, for sensationalism when there was just no need, in my opinion. And if, if you want to play politics in public with Mike Ashley like that, I, I don't think there's... I don't think there's any other winner because it's Newcastle United who would lose and we would lose out and whatever. But I just, I just, anyway, I don't think it's positive. Um, I think he's made a mistake, but time will tell. That's like Rocket's perspective as well. Like he's taken, he, for his own career as well, has taken a massive gamble on this job. And like, you wonder if there's been stupid games being played behind the scenes by Ashley and still got his curly car in, in there and Charlie's bit of plunker like how much is it going to take for for Rafa to go oh, I've made a mistake yeah like what am I doing messing around with these idiots they've said one thing they've keep like delivered in the first window but now they're going back to the old days it's just like you can understand like Rafa's done all of us a massive favour by staying at the end of the game because he could have easily left he probably got the end of the job if he really wanted like you know he's one of the best paid managers in the United Kingdom <laughs> Probably one of the best managers wherever he went there, wouldn't he? Like, which is yeah, you would. You would listen. It's it's like I know. I, I just mean that when he says doing a fa- doing us a favor, it's yeah, yes. We're, we're, I'm so happy. I mean, I, I feel like I'm defending myself and I'm talking to you two who who know who know me very well, and also speaking to you, the listeners who have listened to this for such a long time. You just know me cracking position on Rafa. It's just a little bit. I want him to stay, and we need we need to get promoted. the The club is the club is bigger than. Than Rafa Benitez, but on the on the other hand, it's really important that he stays. A lot of people would buy back out of United if he left. Um, yeah, if Rafa was, if something was to happen and Rafa was to leave before the end of the season, I think that would be curtains for us. Like I could see his sort of drifting down the league. The players would be just like, "What the hell's going on?" And, and more importantly, I think fans would stop turning up. I think a lot of people. This is like one of the last stand after a decade of just madness and like actually anything that culminate in that there just walking away going look this is what I signed up for I think that would be the end for it never comes to that because that would be an absolute beast. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, trust me, Bolin, we'll be we'll be talking about that one nil uh, win at Rotherham in years to come, like it was the glory days. Huddersfield <laughs> um, uh, has hit the post against Brighton. Great start, um, right, Sai. Let's talk about the atmosphere. You will be there on Saturday with me and, and countless other lads. Uh, we're doing a Gallagher flags display. If you're listening to this, come along. Just come and come and find her. We're not hard to miss. Two o'clock. We're getting there from. Like, just come and sing. And if even if you can't be asked with the flags, just come and sing before the match and get behind the team. Because Sai, that atmosphere on Wednesday was was an embarrassment. Don't know what your thoughts are. I I don't think it was any worse than a lot of our home games this season. It was a small section of the corner. Again, so when I say small, I mean small. 
you know, 30 odd people. It was a, the odd song at the start. We scored a goal, and you get the you get the reaction fans who sing for about five minutes after we've scored a goal. But then the next misplaced pass from Lascelles, it's almost like revert. It's like it was like we were losing one 0 yeah. And then it just continues. And then the first half, I mean, I've been saying it all morning. Maybe I've, maybe I've overacted a bit to just all the other stresses of the of the day with with what Rafa said and stuff. But I just St James's Park, the the crowd in most of our games this season have made it more difficult for the team than than it, than most home teams get. And I, I've I've no doubt that it's had an impact on our home form. And maybe that is why we've we've got more points than we should have done at home because. We're making it impossible for the team to, to play without heaping huge amounts of pressure on them. Andrew Bolland. Oh, you were, yeah, but no, but do, do, but do you agree with Sai's comment there that the home crowd, because quite a controversial comment yeah. that, have contributed yeah. to some of the defeats this season? The home crowd's been rubbish for years, though, hasn't it? Like, I think, as Nicky raised the point on the group, like, even in the Robson days, the Castle Park, like, there's an element of nothing allowed to be good enough for Newcastle fans. Because season we finished fifth and people were still angry. Like, I remember people kicking off when we finished fifth under Pardew. Like, it just seems to be the nature. And I think you were saying maybe it hasn't just happened from that 94 95 season. Well, disappointment and people expect it to be better than they are. And, like, I watched it on the telly last night and the atmosphere was non existent. Like, I don't know where the microphones, but you could hear the, the QPR fans throughout. Um, and obviously, I don't watch that many games in Newcastle at home on the telly, and I was pretty surprised. Like, it was dreadful. And obviously, we sit in the corner, so I've been there, and I was like, oh, the atmosphere's been like, pretty good. Like, lots of people singing, like, it's quite loud. But genuinely, around the rest of the ground, it must just be just absolute silence. Could you hear the corner um, on telly? Not really, not really. Like, occasionally. I think it was like, just after the second half time, if you ever want the last minute I saw. Um, there's a little song of Perez at one point, but apart from that, basically not really. Um, it's pretty pretty grim. Uh, people talk about Arsenal being a library or like, like old Trafford being quiet. Like, honestly, I haven't watched the game on on telly in years where I've been like, this just sounds like no one's there. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's not just about the singing, though, is it? If you if you go to a home game and you don't you don't sing songs, but as long as you know you know you applaud when when something good happens and. It kind of shows some sort of encouragement when when things are bad, and you know sometimes we'll concede a corner, and you'll get a bit of a lift, and and you know it's like oh well, let's get ourselves go out of this, but that doesn't happen. The people who sit there not singing are also it's just too many now. Blokes, blokes in their forties, blokes in their fifties, who make make a, a concerted effort to get out of their chair and shout some some just ridiculous abuse to the pitch before turning around to see who's to see who's, who's actually seen them do it, you know, see if they get anyone like, laughing and nodding along with them. And then sit down with a big, like, smirk on their face. Like, that's what they get out of going to the game. They're not interested in Newcastle being successful because that's what they get out of the week, going and getting a bit of attention for, for shouting some ridiculous stuff because you couldn't do it anywhere else in the world because you get arrested. It's, inside that this goes back to what we are talking about before and this is what bugs us so much. Like, you, you're saying, Bolland, pe- people will buy out of Newcastle. If, if Rafa leaves and I agree who though the people who are already furious who are already kicking off the people who when QPR scored a freak second goal streamed out even though there was about three minutes left of the game plus injury time and Newcastle have already this season provided one memorable moment of injury time drama 
um, are, are those people going to buy out? Or you know what? I mean, what if 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 they're going to buy out because of Rafa Benitez and they're leaving games five ten minutes early anyway? They're they're booing the team. They're abusing the players. You know, when Perez misses a, a good chance, to rather than bemoaning his luck or bemoaning the fact that it was nearly a goal, it was a good chance and some good play. Um, screaming abuse at him, like who who are these people? We've talked about it before on the podcast, like, but who who the fuck are these people? I mean, it came to the state. I was really down after Wednesday, um, not not because of the result, um, because I found myself. Saw saw you and um, you and Ben as well. Like and, and and definitely the lads, like the eight lads who the atmosphere is utterly dependent on in St James's Park, what little there is at the back of the corner. Um you know, like I felt I, I felt myself like trying too hard. I was almost like um you know, like singing like louder and more passionately just to not to support the team, which is the whole point, just to try and get a bit of atmosphere going and I just remember leaving the game with you just thinking like what what's the point? Like, I, I've recovered a bit now. Like, I'm not as down. Um, but I was just like these people here. I've just got nothing. The people around us, I have nothing in common with them. You'd think, oh, you share a common interest going to the match with people. You got you're gonna um, behave similarly. I just think I'd, I'd I'd rather at times that St James's Park was half full. Give us a half full St James's Park with people who want to be there, who don't bemoan every misplaced pass or think we should be beating teams like QPR, who who won at Reading like two weeks ago um, and who think that, uh, you know, Paul Dummett is a disgrace and, and Jack Callback's the worst player they've ever seen. Like, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the weird one, but I've just got so little in common with these people. It's it's like a depressing experience. And I don't know. I can, I can take Newcastle, like, like conceding a gago and goal at home and getting a draw, I can take defeats. But what I can't take is the fact that the majority of people who go to St James's Park these days just just aren't interested in getting behind the team, and it's a it's a bad one. And Bolland, you're not immune to this because because you you feel the same. All the people around you, do you not? Yeah, it's not. Well, I've said to you now, like I've got to the point where I don't even really enjoy going anymore. Like like. At the start of the season, we were playing midweek and I was down here in Liverpool working and I was missing the game. Genuinely, genuinely be good about it. But these days, it's such a terrible experience going. I'm just like, don't mind watching it on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an awful thing to say. Cause we, used to, we used to genuinely do our favourite thing to do, go to the match and talk about it with you guys on the pod. You know, like it was a massive, massive part of my life. And you know, I think uh, this season in particular, it's like, the people around us have just done the absolute head in that I don't, don't miss it. Like, I'm just talking <laughs> absolute, absolute bollocks as well. Just, I'm just utter, utter rubbish, get on people's back and no need to. Like, um, <laughs> it's ridiculous to think that the season that you make that revelation is the one that will got Rapper in charge. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want to pie it off now. But it, no, yeah, I know it's it I think, yeah, definitely. Because, because, of, because of Rafa and because of what what could be around the corner, it's more concerning than ever that the that the state of going to the match is how it is. And I think the point is more, Jim, like, you want to go to the match, and especially with Rafa being there, like, you really actively want to do it. And with people around just, like, kicking off about stuff, like, yes, it's frustrating that the castle don't be teams like QPR at home, but, like, the reaction to it is just on the kill. And I think part of that is I really wanted to enjoy it. But there's so many people who are desperate to find, like, Misery in what should be a really, really like, I found like some sort of like counselor's chair in there, but like what 
should be a really, really happy season for everyone. It's just turning into a really miserable one because people just can't find the team at all. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's like, and in Rafa's comments before, and um, like the atmosphere, and the, I mean, I hardly say on Oxford, but like, I just want to erase that experience from your memory. Blackburn as well. The, the 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 abuse the team got at Blackburn, like this this should and it has been, like go back and listen to the post Derby Cup podcast, lads. Do you know what I mean when we were in Derby? Fun, you know, a bit of symmetry there. How buzzing we were. We were just so buzzing. We had a fucking fantastic day. Newcastle were mint. Rafa was in charge, and 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 it's it's kind of been dragged down a little bit. But you know what? We'll be there on Saturday. Um, to an hour before the game in the Gallagher. There'll be about you know fifteen twenty other lads there, all sound lads. Come and come and come and get behind the team. We'll you know we'll be there. We'll have a, we'll have the quiz. Twenty fourth of March. It was absolutely class last time. Um, you know twenty fourth of March, Friday night. Tickets are on sale now, ten pounds online um, from Eventbrite. Um, you know they will sell out. They did last time, so make sure you come along. Uh, we'll all be there, obviously, and um, I think that just about does it on the atmosphere. But Christ, I re- I really hope. Yeah, Sorry, go on, Sai. I just want, I mean, I think some of the negativity comes out of, and it, it sounds silly, and it it's, it's, doesn't justify the way some people go on, but there's, there's this kind of fear of, if we don't succeed this season, and every time every time we've had this kind of turn, so when, when we finished fifth with Pardew, there was that like, well, what if we push on now? What, like, what could be if, if we invest properly now? And then when we didn't, everyone's kicking off, and what made them more angry was what could have been, and if you, if you compare that to now when we've got Rafa and if things don't go well we know what we're going to lose compared to what it could be there's such a fear of not achieving that that I think it makes people more nervous it makes people more edgy and it doesn't justify the ridiculous look, way that a look, lot yeah I was going to say n- nervous and edgy doesn't excuse you calling Paul Dummett a cunt because he miscontrols the ball <laughs> no but I think it, it sort of explains a little bit the, the, the edgy atmosphere and that contributes that it kind of feeds the, the nutters who do, do do that because they, they, they kind of feed on nervousness and edginess and just kind of they know that they'll get a, a better reaction when the, when the crowd's feeling like that my, my concern as well is there's not I mean fair enough it might be different in other parts of the ground but there's not that many kids in St James's Park maybe it's because the family section's in level 7 and maybe they're all there so that, that's like that would be a logical explanation but I just I don't see that many Kids really at the match, very few. Um, there's not, not even that many teenagers. I mean, I, we, yeah, we to... I've got I've got a young apprentice at work who I mentor, and he he's he's got a season ticket in level seven, and he says that all the lads around him who are like seventeen just grossly away fans. So, <laughs> there are some kids there doing doing. doing oh, right, fair enough. But I was going to say, if you're a kid and you're going to the match, and you obviously you look, you know, going to the kid and going to the match is a special thing. You're looking to see, learn the words of the songs, and you want to see how other people react and, and and you see some like the bloke behind us like every single time every single time Newcastle give the ball away is out of seat to, 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 to abuse the, the player who's committed to the cardinal sin of passing the football in the wrong direction or to the wrong person and I just think if you're a kid and th- because no one ever takes on these people um you know, they, might, they might think that's normal but uh, you know we're, we're going off topic we're, the future of Newcastle no, I, agree, I agree I think, I think this will influence people and it's a big it's a big worry because if more people get like this we're, we're done we're fucked so we've had a we've had a massive moan so far dead negative podcast and we've not even mentioned the football <laughs> been, a, been a even for us it's been quite special 
Bolland, you weren't happy with the performance, were you, uh, I believe, on Wednesday. Well, it was um, everything you've come to expect from Newcastle over the last couple of months. Uh, score early and then do very, very little for the rest, <laughs> rest of the game, in all honesty. The first half was one of the worst performances I think I've seen all season I'm going to go for. It was it was grim. At one point, I think QPR uh, had, had 67% possession or something, and the commentators and the pretty well would tell you which was that QPR were definitely trying to make something happen, and the commentators looked like they were just expecting it. And I feel like that sums it up pretty accurately. Um, it was complacent by just about everybody on the pitch, and lethargic at times. I mean, you talk about the cells. It's bad touch for that sort of just sort of summed up like the way we were playing. It was just lackluster. It was a bit arrogant at times. Like we just expected that we were going to turn this team over. As you rightly point out, this is a team that aren't the team that we beat six one way back at the start of the season. This is this is a side that had been reading recently. And I've raised this point to you before. <laughs> you haven't liked it, but performances from Newcastle over a large portion of the season have been pretty grim and this was another one um, yes it was unfortunate that we conceded that goal in the last three minutes or whatever it was but it, on balance it was sort of you could sort of feel like it was inevitable I felt like it was inevitable watching it that we weren't going to come out on that game with three points just because we hadn't played very well at all to, to my um, mind I, you know there's a few things here um Oh, Brighton are going to equalise. Um, yes, the half. Um, very lucky. Uh, yeah, first half performance was as bad as I've seen in a while. I agree with you. There was there was a little bit of uh, lethargic play, a bit of arrogance from the likes of Shelby dicking about. The one player who, who I thought really let with down first half was Isaac Hayden because we've criticised him and appraised him before on the pod. And the games like that, you, you know, already winning at half time. Yes, we need to control the game. Yes, we don't want to concede before half time, which again we we'll, we'll got right back into the old, uh, you know, couple of proud Newcastle traditions or exercise conceding just before half time at home and conceding from a corner. Nice to see the lads upholding the uh, the traditions of the season. Um, but you know, he he was playing kind of almost third centre back, passing the ball to cells, passing the ball to Clark sitting very, 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 very deep and it was almost like we played without a midfield and I, and I thought that really played into QPR's hands and they were able to knock the ball out nicely. Now, the positive for me is that we came out second half and I thought that I thought that second half performance was very good. We should have won the game, we had great chances, we we're limited QPR basically to, to zero chances, that one chance when Dummett miscontrolled it. That that came purely from his miscontrol and QPR have gone into that game and, and you could save two massively lucky goals from QPR's perspective. Darlow's made two saves. Um, their, their goalkeeper, I believe, got man of the match. Um, and yeah, we should have seen how we should have done better. The second, the second goal in particular is for, just frustrating because Darlow's not made a shot. I know he's had a good season to not criticise too much, but like, at the start of the season, or certainly before Christmas, he's definitely shouting for that. Like They're more switched on like, yeah, but I think I think criticism of Darlow's harsh there. That's not a header by that. Like Kieran Clark doesn't mean to head it backwards. He's made the mistake. That's what I mean. Darlow's got a shout. Yeah, but, but but Darlow's. I mean, yes, yeah. You know, Darlow's shouting's not going to cause anything to go wrong, is it? So I can't 
complain. I just think. I just think. Maybe Clark doesn't head it up. Yeah, but, but, but the, the the mistake is Clark's. Yeah, Darlow's got to be the Clark either either leaves it or gets a proper header on it. <laughs> what he what he does like say say, say um, Darlow doesn't shout but stays in his line. It would have been quite a surreal sight watching him catch that ball. It would have been would have been strange. You can also criticise Shelby for not stopping that cross, although he's probably thinking, "Go on, mate, cross it." There's actually no one in the box. So up and down. Sorry, I'll bring I'll bring you in. Are you? Are you happy enough with Newcastle's second half performance, or do you think now across the game we weren't good enough? Um, I don't think we were good for the whole of the second half. I think we started better when we got the goal, and then we we and we must remember that when when me, when you and I spoke to to Rafa and you put this to him, we seen the score a goal, then the knees off a bit, and he just shook his head at you as if to say that's not that's not what we're going for. So and it, and it just seems to I don't know it's just a like a natural thing to do as a footballer like you've got your goal and it just seemed to like take the foot off the gas a little bit and it, it happened again and I think we, we started to get deeper and deeper as you say and then Hayden was was coming back into the half again Shelby was picking the ball up off the defenders and then Rafa made made all the right changes and he brought Sammy on and we started to push the back a bit again and it opened them up and then we put we had three like excellent chances <laughs> Perez had two of them, and Goufran was one on one with the keeper about three yards out and stuff. He forced a really good save, and like, but I, I don't see how you can not realise that that was just an unlucky result. Rafa managed the game perfectly. We lost touch, we lost sight of it, we got it back, we lost sight of it again a bit. He made changes, we got it back, and then just a gag at the end. It was just, it was so typical. I tell you, like, some uh, Perez, right? Most inconsistent player on the pitch, and that's what the castle are from minute to minute. We're just we're not capable of playing ninety minutes of good football. It didn't seem. I don't remember watching the castle this season where we've been good for like good and in control for the majority of the game. Well, not we've scored early enough to sit off them, but it's just it's just inconsistent, wasn't it? So just yesterday's moment, but. With, we weren't really dominating. And the other thing that's frustrating is we say we're unlucky, but if you look at someone like Brighton, that probably doesn't happen to them. If it does happen to us, it happens to us too often. Maybe it's like, yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because, you know, Brighton, if they win tonight and it's one all at the moment, they go four points ahead of where it's only four points. We've seen how quickly that can change. We're having to play and we're very good away from home. It's I'm not all doom and gloom. I, I think... I think we'll have problems in midfield, and what what I like to see is improvements. Now, and I saw much improved second half performance. And what impressed me about Rafa, I said he had half time side. I said left side again. First half left side was it's playing with nine men plus Perez, so playing with eight men. Like um, you know, we just have nothing. So what does Rafa do? He, he switched. Um, he switched Richie onto the right, didn't he? Uh, sorry, the left. And he was heavily involved, got a goal from the left hand side. And I thought. Yeah, and Goufran came in the game as well. Goufran came into the game on the right hand side with Yedlin. And then I thought it was a really wise tactical move to take Murphy off, not bring Mitrovic on, and play Goufran down the middle. When that happened and Amiobi came on, that's when we created all our chances. So that was really good from Rafa, really good from the team, really positive. So I'm happy with that. Bolland, I agree with you though. We, 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 must, start, we must start pressuring teams more at home. We'll laugh at people really who say we we'll play should, should play four four two. Perez is so bad, and I sang his name off the pitch the other night. I, 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 you know, I, 
people, I get called a hypocrite sometimes, bizarrely, by listeners. Um, you know, just because I think he's bad doesn't mean I slag him off at the match. I support him. But he's so bad um, that you may as well play with two up front when Perez plays. He does so little else. He's so slow. He doesn't press um, very well. I just, I just, It's like a waste of a shirt. So it, it's, it's, it's easy for the opposition when, when Perez is in the team. And even if they're 1-0 down, they kind of know they don't really have to worry about him that much. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to get in the ball. He'll give you the ball back. Like Rafa keeps picking him, and I know Diame's been away, and Diame might start on Saturday, and etc. But, but but what do you do, what do you think, lads? Where do you stand on the Perez debate, Bolland? You saw it on the telly. It's just a frustrating character, because you saw towards the end what he can do. I know he didn't score, we had some good chances. And it, uh, see, like I said, he's inconsistent from minute to minute. One minute he's doing something really good, the next minute he's just passing the ball out play for no reason. Uh, it's frustrating watching him. I still feel like he might come good eventually. I just don't know whether it'll be in England. Um, <laughs> it seems like not having so much time on the ball. Um, I like him, but I don't think he should be in the starting lineup. Right sure. um, I, I actually thought watching Guffan play through the middle, um, whether that's 4 4 2, I think Guffan would may, maybe be sort of a better option last night. He's a bit more similar to Gale and the stuff he's going to hustle. Defenders. I thought Murphy was pretty poor yesterday. He's not a great deal to do because he went forward, but um, that so was a disappointing thing, wasn't it? We had Murphy up front, and he's he's a good header at the ball, and I don't think we put one cross in first half. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I've got an interesting comment today. Uh, someone asked us, do you think with Mbemba's return, I don't know if he's back yet, he's probably not back for Saturday, but um, <laughs> do you think that in home games like that, Mbemba and Clark might be might be a better partnership based on the fact we need someone who can carry the ball out. What do you think of that, side? I agree. I agree at home. Um, when it's not just about carrying the ball out, it's about moving it quickly. Yeah. When we try this, when we try, which is, a, you know, the Rafa's very methodical way of playing football, it's, you know, you, you challenge down the left, if you get nowhere, you switch the play as quickly as possible. So Paul Dem- that's why you see Paul Dummett pass across the back so much. But that, that ball's got a hidden bender and then go straight to Yedlin, but that yesterday we were so slow moving the ball around, it ends up back at Darlow because you can't get anywhere quick enough and there's no space to pass him to. So I agree, yeah, and Bember and Clark, who are both, they're both proven to be quite good with their feet and, and comfortable and happy to receive a pass, whereas I don't think Lascelles is. So yeah, I think at home it's worth a shot. Moving on to the game, Bolland, for Saturday. Um, what do you reckon? Think we'll do it? Thoughts on the game? Confident? <laughs> I've spent the last 24 hours recovering from last night's game. It's been so traumatic. 
everything that seems to have happened, which isn't a lot, but you know, I've, I've barely had time to, to think about the game ahead. I think Diame is a huge, will have a huge impact on the team. Diame and Shelby in the same side just just makes so much more space in midfield. We look so much more balanced. I think with someone like Diame in the middle and not Perez, it doesn't leave Gufran isolated on one side because while Richie's trying to look down one side, I think you commented in the first half on Wednesday is that they just had so many men around Richie, which meant that Gufran was you know in a lot of space on the left. But again, we just weren't able to kind of link up the play because Perez just was naff. Um, the army, on the other hand, you know, runs in the channels, he'll pick up the ball and he'll get it out to someone else quite quickly. So I think with him back in the team at home, we'll just be so much more comfortable. And he's been he's been excellent generally in the last few months at home. I hope they bring Kovac back in as well. I think he's back now, isn't he? Um, instead of Hayden. I prefer he's, he's better than Hayden. Yeah, I prefer Kovac at home, certainly. Um, you want someone like Hayden who can, who can run at defenders, because he's capable of doing that. He can run, run with the ball. So away from home, he's, he's been really good, but at, at home, it just I don't know what it is. I don't know why he just he, he's played so negatively. Uh, I mean, Hayden's second half, I thought, was much better. That's what I want to see from us. I want to see him with the ball in the box, running in the box, arriving. Um, you know, he's very capable on the ball. You know, great turn for that Gufran chance when the keeper made a great save. Um, yeah, yeah. So, a bit more of that. Um, you know, Derby won three 0 at Ipswich on Tuesday. Before that, they lost at Norwich heavily and they lost at Leeds without scoring. So, they'll come here full of confidence. But teams have proven they can be beaten. Uh, so. Yeah, tough one that they've also got a cup replay at Derby at Leicester on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, be interesting to see. We just start up front if Gale's not back. I've seen his back training, but so Gale doesn't play the weekend. He's a great player. No, he'll not play, he'll not play this weekend. Gale Wolves is, is the likely game. Um, personally, I would play um, Diame off Gufran, but he'll likely go with Murphy and Perez, I think. Who would have thought this time last year <laughs> would be calling for Gufran to play through the middle there? Eh? <laughs> give him the armband. Give him the armband, yeah. Give him, give him, a, give him a bloody contract. Because um, when Gary Rowett <laughs> is, is managing us next season... When Rafa leaves. <laughs> yeah, when Gary Rowett's managing the next season after Rafa pies it, Gufran will be even more oh, good. Lads, that does it. Thanks so much. We're, we're about to be joined by Paddy, Derby County fan, so have a listen to that. Uh, thanks to everyone who who listens. Um, lot of new, not lot of new uh, Twitter followers in the in the last week. It's funny what posting a video of loads of people fighting does for you. <laughs> um, and yeah, we will be back hopefully Saturday night with you lads, one of you lads at least. Um, after the match uh, against uh, Derby, and then obviously we'll have the Wolves preview this time next week. If anyone knows any Wolves fans. Uh, Give, give us a shout we'll have them on next week's show uh, thanks very much for listening and thanks for your time Bolland and Si welcome now by Paddy who is a Derby County fan thanks very much Paddy for joining us uh, ahead of Newcastle United ahead of Newcastle United v uh, Derby this weekend cracking result for you midweek at Ipswich you were there good uh, good midweek trip to Suffolk I take it it was a delight because uh, it's only four and a half hours behind the car, one sort of lane into Suffolk. There's about three accidents. It was sideways rain, but 
you know, you can't be that feeling when you've, I mean, I nearly didn't get there in time. I left at like <laughs> two and still was struggling for kickoff. Um, and it was miserable weather. And then you go to the level for 12 minutes and the world's a beautiful place. Um, and it was all worth it. But, um, but Ipswich were the worst side I've seen this season. And they're, re- they're a great tip to get relegated because they haven't strengthened. They had the lowest knee gate for 17 seasons. I mean, I don't think we're that unattractive a fixture. I'm pretty sure there is that's there's record levels of apathy. Like if I looked at their um, Twitter stuff afterwards, and um, people were just saying, you know, they, they couldn't work out who they hated more. <laughs> they hated Mick McCarthy or their owner Mark. If you look, if anyone gets a chance if, to look at the third goal that Derby scored midweek, it is the. It, I mean, it's and Mick McCarthy side have never considered a goal like that. Uh, two centre-halves are running into each other at the front post. The, our right-back Chris Baird has about 20 minutes to put the ball into the box. So it was great. And, um, you know, it was uh, it's always nice. I mean, the game was one at half-time, so it wasn't terribly stressful. But I don't think it's much of a barometer on, our, uh, on how good we are at the moment because we've had mixed form in January, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, talking about easy games... <laughs> The, it's really interesting to talk to you about how far Derby have progressed since the start of the season and we we went to Derby live on TV, I, I went down my first time in Derby, nice nice, uh, nice city, had a really good weekend and uh, we won 2-0, it was one of those games that a few Derby fans afterwards were kind of saying to to us, close close game that, you know, you weren't that much better than us and uh, having known Rafa Benitez's sides and how how important control is that's that Derby even though like Derby played well and we scored a couple of goals good goal by Gufran Derby were just ne- never ever in that game in my opinion um, I, I, I completely agree I disagree with their Derby fans I came out feeling the exact opposite I felt like that after the first goal there was no way back into the game and yeah. I think that probably summed up Nigel Pearson's well, time at Derby, I w- really. Yeah, um, I wasn't just getting onto this to, to, to make you feel bad about the game. I was going to say something something about that performance from Derby to me as an outsider. Just It was like the players were trying. They, were, they, weren't, they weren't not putting in the effort. They were clearly following instructions, but it just something didn't seem right. So so was it just a bad fit, do you think? Or do you think actually Pierce needs to take a bit more blame than that? Um, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to... Um, worked out quite what happened under Pearson's reign but because it didn't last for very long he, he I don't know if he is an obnoxious arsehole or if he just gives the impression that he is if he, if he just can't find a way to relate uh, to like the local media and then and therefore you have this impression that he is you know just this sort of power freak but Sean Dyer said something recently um, and I think I think Sean Dice has applied for the Derby job at least once. Um, and he said something after Pearson got sacked, which was, there's a generation of managers at the moment which try and implement their system and style before they look at the squad they've got. In this sort of, this, you know, with these same managers with big egos. And Pearson decided, right, we're playing 4 4 2, even though this squad has been relatively successful. They've gotten to two playoffs out of three, incredibly unlucky um, not to get promoted in 2013 14. I don't want to go into that because I've still got, you know, I'm still going to counselling for that Bobby's a moral goal. So, <laughs> um, but but the you know, Pearson came in and was insisting that he was going to have and make a team in his own image, despite the fact that we'd recruited for three years 
seems to, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's fallen out of players. He sent Chris Martin, our big number nine, he scored 20 plus goals in each of the three seasons on loan. Um, and he, he, he had, he, I mean, we were, our performances were terrible. We'd won one game in 12. Um, but I was still a bit surprised to see him go because um, we'd already gone through Paul Clement since the McLaren uh, era. I mean, McLaren was sat by Mel Morris, a, a relatively new owner with loads of money. Uh, Clement got fired for not playing the Derby way, which everyone um, lambasts us for. That actually really means just trying to entertain your public. You know, if you're getting 30,000 people, I mean, you know, I'm talking to a Newcastle fan, like, if you've got a, a big support base, they, and, and they, you know, they have a history of turning out to watch their football club, they want to be entertained, and I think that's what Morris is getting at. But then, don't bring in Nigel Pearson. <laughs> if you want to play free-throwing football, and, you know, you want to um, entertain the public, and you have, you know, long-term visions about how you play, and you bring in someone who sort of does the exact opposite of what you're saying out to do you have to take some responsibility we sort of thought the, the person here is a disaster and he has to take some responsibility but uh, a madcap owner probably has the most of the blame and bearing in mind the way that the season has turned around since Pearson um, left uh, under McLaren again you think well actually we've given a lot of the division a, a head start um and uh, I mean, we we know we're six now, and it will be a fight for sixth place. I'd have thought now six and fifth. Certainly, automatic's gone. Um, but really, we should be much more comfortable because we had one win in the first twelve. And and I just sort of football, and I completely agree with you. We I uh, when Newcastle went one up, you, you you could have. I mean, I never would, but you could have left the ground knowing that Derby were not going to win that day. It's, and, I, and I'm very enlightened. So that was a point. It didn't create chances. Um, the kind of play was awful. It wasn't pleasing on the eye. And uh, against Newcastle, uh, you, you struggle to, if you didn't know the squad, you would struggle to work out who was actually playing up top. It was, it was, um, I think it was, you know, a stale uh, performance and it was towards, you know, towards the end of a very short tenure. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so obviously McLaren, McLaren came back. How, how, you know, I mean, I'll go into Newcastle's relationship with McLaren in, in a minute and, and see what you kind of make of it from the outside. But he was, you know, when McLaren um, was given the job, um, hugely unpopular appointment. I, I backed him, um, which long-time listeners of the show will, will laugh at, considering how we got towards the end of his tenure. But um, I kind of checked out Derby Twitter, Derby forums, and it was it was pretty negative, and that counted against him because a lot of Derby fans were saying, you know, you're welcome to him almost. Was that a representative opinion of of, of his of his last spell, or do you think that was just a little bit of the internet hyperbole? And, and actually, you were sad to see him go last time. Which was it? It, uh, it was difficult, really. The, the 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 Steve McLaren. I mean, so he was a coach '95 to '99. And when he left to uh, uh, to Alex Ferguson's United, um, Derby's sort of Jim Smith era, era, which was some fantastic football in the top flight, started fading away. And then obviously he, he comes back after, oh God, how many years? Nigel Clough? Six years of Nigel Clough? And Clough had been brought in um, as a name to appease the fans because we had no money. The, the American company bought us over. Season on season, and they knew that with the second name Clough and the relationship, obviously, 
pride of the football club that um, it, the fans would give him as long as he needed. And we never broke into the top six. We once broke into the top ten under Clough. And when McLaren came in, I mean, each time McLaren's been appointed, I've said, I've gone, I've, you know, gone public on social media and said, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be a train wreck. Okay. Right? You know, this, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And each time we've had this fantastic run of form. The, the, the playoff season, 2013, 2014, under McLaren, was fantastic. I mean, it was only the third Leicester and Burnley. Actually, not dissimilar to this season with yourselves and Brian, but we're so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, we finished the third that year and we were comfortably the third uh, best team in the division. And then, of course, we lose the playoff final in the last minute. The following season, we start off pretty much where we, we left off. It's really good football. Then we're filling the ground out and uh, we're winning games with Papa League on Boxing Day. And then Newcastle, whether they do it, uh, whether it's just rumour or if someone at the club uh, was, uh, like, you know, put it out there that they were interested in Steve McLaren. Um, the rumour started circulating and McLaren kept using the phrase pure speculation. He wouldn't deny the rumours. Now, you have to remember that this is a guy who's created pretty scattered. Like, he's done a good job at Middlesbrough, a good job at FC20. And that's pretty much it. Everywhere else has been, you know, he's been a bit of a laughing stock and he's, he's an easy character to take the mick out of, like. And, and uh, you're thinking, well, okay, you've got a club here well, it's probably the only club in the country with your connections to Derby that wouldn't have been completely against your appointment when you first arrived. And yet he wasn't able to find the loyalty and to say, oh no, at the very least I'll stay to the end of the season and we'll see if we can get promoted. And from that point in January, we had the worst form. I think at one stage we had the worst form in all, um, all five different, um, certainly in the, in the Football League. Um, and... I mean, it was an absolute train wreck. We just started conceding hilarious amounts of goals to poor sides, three at Millwall who were getting relegated, four against Huddersfield who had a poor season. And, and we fell out of the playoffs in the last game of the season when we only needed a draw against Reading and we lost 3-0. Mm. And, um, and, then, and then you're thinking, well, where do we go from here? And Newcastle are still interested in him. I mean, he'd hardly won any games of football. By the time he left Newcastle, he had, I think he must, have, he must have won about four games in you know a, a, in, a, in, a, in a calendar year, I was in, I was amazed they were still interested, and he comes back this time, and you're thinking oh, this is ridiculous. The guy has had an absolute train wreck. Um, now you, you ruined our chances of get promoted. Uh, promoted. He practically relegated Newcastle. Why are we still giving him the time of day? And then, and this is just how stupid. This is how ridiculous football is. <laughs> He's had an absolute blinder again, and I, I cannot work it out. I cannot work out Steve McLaren one bit. I'm only waiting for someone in the Premier League to lose a plot to speculate about him coming in to take their job and we'll completely cock it up again. But I'm sure we'll lose in the last minute at Wembley before that all happens. So, uh, But I, I'd love to tell you, I'd love to give you a description of Steve McLaren and work out what makes him tick and how, how his relationship at Derby works. But I have no idea. But compared to the football under Pearson and, and frankly the results as well I mean I just keep them quiet I'm, I'm just don't I'm just going to keep completely quiet and just see how far we can ride the train because for the life of me I don't know what happens when he comes here but something just seems to click really really strange yeah I mean to answer your question why was he still considered for the Newcastle job he got the Newcastle job because he's mates with Graham Carr who, who who's a scout but who controls oh, okay. the club Good mate to Graham Carr, so that it jobs jobs for the boys. 
I, I, I didn't back the appointment, but you know what? I'm, I'm a football fan. I go to a lot of games. I thought I may as well be positive. What you know, like like yeah. what's the, what's the point? And um, he he came into a dreadful team, a team that John Carver had managed to take from tenth on January the first, like twelve points clear of the relegation zone with half a season to go, who survived on the last day. Um, any any and rather than thinking, right. You know, we'll we'll shore up the defence. We'll try and finish fifteenth this season. No relegation zone. He tried. He tried to make one of some kind of hybrid between like Barcelona and Ajax from the seventies, yeah. like yeah. passing out from the back. It's like nasty. No, we're shit. Like it's all it's all well and good <laughs> passing the ball around the back. We cannot score and we and, and we concede. So unless you try and fix those things, and he was saying top eight, we're going to go for a trophy. Just like. This this is so harsh because I don't know the bloke, but it, he was a man that lacked. No one, no one had any respect for him. The fans didn't yeah, respect yeah, yeah. him. The, you, you the, get that impression, yeah, the, play, the players didn't respect him. No one respected him, and he would do wildly um, fluctuating things. So we played Leicester at home. This is the year Leicester won the league, obviously last season. We played Leicester at home, yeah. and and he played quite a defensive form. He, we were too open against them, but he still gave them a little bit of respect. And we got beat three 0 and then the next game he went to Crystal Palace and played four three three, and we got beat five one. It's like, what, what do you like? The players must have been thinking, or oh, we're supposed to be a side that's hard to beat here, or oh, we're supposed to go out and win games. But by the end, I mean, I really like I don't, again. It's harsh, but from not to resign, you know, the the Bournemouth game, we lost basically. We lost five one at Chelsea on telly, four 0 down after eighteen minutes. Um, we lost five one there. This is after spending, you know. 40 million quid in January as well. Um, we lost to Chelsea. There was then a two-week international, international break or FA Cup break or something. He should have been sacked. He took the players to Spain. Um, the play, they played a ridiculous friendly in Spain at his request. Two players got injured. Colacini got injured for the season, the club captain, playing this mental friendly in Spain. And we, we, got, we, got, beat, we got beat at Stoke. And we played Bournemouth at home. In, in I've, I've never after left a game earlier in my life. I left that game yeah. a 2-0 down when I realised I didn't want the team to score because I thought, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I need yeah. them sacked. And if, if we score, if we get back into this game... So I left on about 60 minutes, I think, which I've never done before and hopefully I'll never do again. But that's how bad it got with McLaren. So who, I'm sure he has got, yeah. he's got a lot to prove this weekend himself. Well, it's real, I'd say I can't work out. You know, each time he's gone, he's come off bad records. He came off a bad record. First time around, he'd, he'd done badly at Wolfsburg and really badly at Forest. Which, um, and we beat him, with, I mean, two years ago, but we beat him with 10 men and uh, and I think that was the end for him. We beat him with, we went down 10 men two minutes ago in the biggest game of the season. They scored a penalty, they won the left and we beat him 2-1. And, and I remember, I was at the game and I remember looking at Steve McLaren and sort of pitch thinking, Christ, why do people keep employing him? And he, he had a terrible time at, at Wolfsburg um, and he comes to Derby and you're thinking it's going to be a disaster. And it, it, I mean, great, it, you know, really, it was only a calendar year that it worked. It was only, it was halfway through 2013-14 and halfway through 14-15. And then the rest of that season was a complete disaster. And this time round, I thought, I mean, he's, he's, I cannot fathom why people think this is a good idea but maybe he gets more respect to Derby than he does elsewhere he brought in a, lot, a few of the players the first time round Tom Ince's uh, Tom Ince's record in McLaren is absolutely belting and uh, with anyone else it's rubbish and I can't again I, I don't know if, I think he maybe gets a bit more freedom uh, under McLaren but his work rate's better Will Hughes who I think is probably as good as a hype um, 
Uh, I mean, he had a serious knee injury last year, but I think he might go on to, to big things. Um, and he, I know people talk about him for years, but he's been playing the first game since he was 17. Um, and he uh, he seems to like him, he's just signed a new contract. So I think he probably has got respect to people at the club. I think um, there are certain clubs, I met, you probably said this in Bandy Castle, there are certain clubs where I think fans will give you more time if you try and play football. Um, and I think Derby one of those clubs. To no other reason than probably the Derby County is the main thing. I mean, this is in Newcastle, but on a bigger scale, yeah, on a much bigger scale. But you know, Derby is the biggest thing. Derby County is the biggest thing which happens in Derby, and they have a public which I think they, I mean, they, they demand entertaining football. We've been successful under managers who, you know, Billy Davis played awful football and we got promoted, and we were singing his name. But I think you get less time at Derby if you try and go direct and just be difficult to beat. And with McLaren, uh, he's constantly tried to play a attacking brand and to be entertaining. And funny enough, I mean, I was laughing this year because we were keeping an eye, all Derby fans were keeping an eye on that Newcastle season um, uh, when McLaren was there because we were curious to know what would happen. And to be honest, I went like, I wanted to fail there. I, I've got a, I have a lot of time for Newcastle. I was born in the area, but but I was, um, I was, you know, best pretty delighted that he was he was cocking it up the way he was because he's shown absolutely no loyalty to us whatsoever and uh, and uh, you know he, he comes back to Derby this time around and the football just is improved. I mean granted he's starting from a low base but the football has improved so much that even when even at the start when we weren't necessarily winning loads and loads of games the form of late for the last sort of two months would be much better but his first month was was, was still a bit sticky but at least we were trying to play something which, you know, was pleasing on the eye. And I think I think people give him more time for that. But yeah, I'm not expecting this not to end in tears at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will, it's just, it would be great if we could just sneak into the playoffs this year and um, hopefully not face, I mean, because I think Lee's are probably the best side outside the, the, uh, the top two. But you never know if you got if you got a run of Reading and Huddersfield, you just don't know in the playoffs. So, and uh, as I said, I hop back to get into Ipswich. But at least coming out of that ground, I thought at least we you know we've got Newcastle away on Saturday. We've sold the away end out. Newcastle sold fifty two thousand now, which is you, know, you have to say like when Newcastle are going to come down. I mean, you see, in this division, it's fantastic. You, 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 you've got, there's an argument to say you've got much better away games here than you have in the Premier League. You take away the top team... It's not an argument, it's away. a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Newcastle, Leeds United, Sheffield Wednesday, Aston Villa. You know, I mean, there's, there's some massive, massive clubs, and, they, and they're great. I mean, Newcastle are great. I mean, imagine uh, well, I've got a stat do on the Saturday. I usually get to about eight to ten away games a season. I had this one highlight and underline twice and then my dickhead mate chooses to go and get married and we have to go out to Bristol which is the wrong side of the country as far as I'm concerned because <laughs> to go and watch on Saturday uh, sell out St James's Park and I, I tell you what I have absolutely no idea what the score will be <laughs> it could be it could be 3-0 either way and everything in between um, and uh, you know it, it's a brilliant division but that said if I've got a chance to get out of it after three sort of failed attempts of getting out of the division I mean you know and it's going to be it will have to be for the playoffs this year but um, they, I, I, I want to get promoted and then just keep on playing in the championship I want to have the promotion <laughs> season and then they say right well you know you're having another year anyway because nine times out of ten I think it's a, it's the football 
maybe not is, is quite a good quality, but it's almost just as entertaining. And the clubs that you play, they usually, you know, give me give me Newcastle on Wednesday over Hull and Sunderland and some of the other teams. Like. <laughs> well said. Just to balance that out, um, the one team I. Two teams are strongly despised in this division are Villa and Forest, so we'll probably have something in common there as well. Um, well, I think I think that just about does it for today. I really appreciate you coming on, Paddy. Um, all the best for the rest of the season after after right, Saturday. Right, you too. I hope after Saturday you uh, keep on. Uh, I mean, like you and Brighton now, isn't it? So it's just about who I think probably lift the championship at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, best of luck after Saturday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.